Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Recap, um, Dave kicked us off with the, the charge, the fan and the flame, the gift of God, okay? And he defined charge as to make someone respons- officially responsible for doing something, okay? And it's important to remember that we were learning how Paul had developed a significant relationship with Timothy, how Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. And then Timothy, or Paul spent um, three years heavily investing and discipling and training Timothy and then Timothy became his brother in the faith and then he was releasing him and sending him out to advance the kingdom further than Paul had ever done before and so when we read this letter in Timothy or yes, second Timothy Paul is writing to, to Timothy to uh, charge him to go after more to, to not shy away from the call that was on his life and to continue to advance the kingdom and for me, over the past three talks that we've been looking at this, for what's really important and stuck out with me um, is the fact that actually Paul was coming to the end of his life. He says, I've ran the race. Um, and he chose to write these words. He could have written about anything, but he chose to write these words. He chose to say these things. So it just highlights how important the things are that we're looking at, that Paul chose these things to write to Timothy as his final words. So Dave was looking at the charge, the fan and the flame, the gift of God. So it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, For this reason, I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Dave was saying that um, there's a unique deposit that God has placed within you that you're carrying. There are certain things that you're good at and that you're gifted to do. And he was saying that it's your responsibility to fan those gifts in the flame. And we looked at the, Dave reminded us of that picture of a fire where it's going out and it's maybe just a few flames in it and just the, the hot coal. And as you breathe onto that fire, it then starts to fire up the flames. They get bigger and they get brighter. And Dave was reminding us that we need to fire up the gifts that you've been given um, to further advance his kingdom, to, be, to start moving and walking into those gifts that God's given you and not just settling um, and actually using it. And then Katie brought us the charge to hold fast. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And Katie defined hold fast as remain tightly secured or continue to believe in or adhere to an idea or principle. And she was telling us that we need to choose daily to hold fast to the truth that's been imparted into us because there's so many distractions, there's so many things that come at us from the world and we need to choose each day to be walking in the truth. And then Katie gave us that challenge. What are you doing with the truth that you've received? The truth that's been imparted in you through pastors, through God who's revealed things to you through the scriptures, through your friends. Um, the truth that you've been given and you've received, uh, what are you doing with it? Are you holding on to it or are you passing it down onto other people? Are you keeping hope alive and passing it down to the next generation so that they're walking in truth and that the world and the devil isn't getting a hold in their life and that they know the truth? So we need to hold fast to the truth. Thirdly then, Tash brought us the, the charge to be strong in the grace. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, My child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And Tash said that grace is something that we don't deserve. It's unmerited. It's the favor of God towards us. And she was saying that grace is available to everyone. No one is beyond grace because Paul experienced grace on the road to Damascus. And grace actually took Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, and made him a leader amongst those very people. So there's nobody in here tonight that's beyond grace. Nothing that you've done is beyond the grace of God. And then Tash reminded us that we start in grace when we're saved. So we get the grace of God when we are saved. But that doesn't stop there. We stand in grace in every moment of our lives. The only reason I'm able to stand here tonight is because of the grace of God. And there isn't a moment in my life or in your life where you don't need the grace of God on you. So we stand in it each day. And then Tash said that we're strengthened in the grace or we're sustained in the grace. Because the grace of God, it says, was on Jesus. But Jesus didn't need that grace to be saved because he was the son of God. So it actually, he needed it because it strengthened him. And it can sustain and strengthen us too. So then Tash said that, that Jesus started to uh, allow this grace to flow up, out of, uh, flow up in him and out of him in the others. And the way that he did this was through discipleship. And Tash reminds us of the importance of being disciples to make disciples. And so tonight, I'm looking at the charge then to, to preach the word. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to chapter 4, verse 4, is the, the scripture that we're going to be unpacking tonight. So it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their eyes away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So that's the, the, the passage that we're going to be unpacking tonight. But firstly, just at the outset, I want to actually look at what, what preach the word really means. And so firstly, if we take the word preach, it means to herald or proclaim publicly, to proclaim a message publicly. And what happened in the olden days was there was a town crier. And these were people who proclaimed the message publicly. So they were employed by a king. So I have a photo of one there. They were, they were employed by a king or queen, and they were sent out with a message to uh, announce in a town and on the streets. Um, there's still some today. This guy actually is a modern-day one, and he was announcing the engagement of Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle. So the, these town crowds, they were said to be preaching a message uh, on the streets, and it's the same for us as Christians, we're sent out by our king, by our God. We're sent out with the gospel message to, to announce it on the streets and in our town, in our town and to the people that we do life with. Um, what happened was these town criers had to go back and report back to the king or queen that they had delivered the message. And one day, we're going to have to report back to our king and say whether we delivered that message, how well we proclaimed the name of Jesus in our town and in our city and in our nation. And so preaching the word could be compared to a lot like a town crier because you're announcing and proclaiming a message um, on the streets and in the towns and in people's lives. And then the word. So obviously the word is the Bible. It's says in chapter, chapter 3, verse 16, that uh, all scripture 
is God-breathed. So we obviously know that the Word is Scripture, that's the Bible. But it's not just that. It's not just the Bible. The Word is Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, but Jesus was with God in the beginning. He was the Word. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus was the Word incarnate. He was the Word in the flesh. So when we say preach the Word, it's not just the Scriptures in the Bible. You're preaching Jesus. The, the Word was Jesus in his human body. So knowing what, a wee bit about what preach and the Word actually means and what it is, I want to just get straight in tonight of some practical ways of how we as members of the church can preach the Word in our everyday lives because we're not all gifted to, to preach and to announce it from the front or to deliver sermons. So how do we as everyday people um, do it in our lives? Because we've all got specific gifts and specific things that God's given us to preach the word in your own uh, significant way. So I've got six different uh, practical things that we can do to actually preach the word in our everyday lives. So firstly, to be able to preach the word, you must first know the word. We are told in Acts chapter 16 verse 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 that, that Timothy's mother Eunice and grandmother Lois were faithful Jewish women who taught the Old Testament scriptures to the boy Timothy when he was young and they loved him so much and they were teaching him this scripture. And so the word was first laid in his life by his mother and grandmother from a really young age. But it, it, it didn't stop there whenever... He was a teenager, about 17 or 18. He went out on a missionary journey with Paul. And this is where their relationship began to develop. And he would have been hearing Paul preach the word as they went around on this missionary journey. He would have been growing in the word. He didn't just learn the scriptures when he was a boy and just stop there. He kept growing in the word. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And it was and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So it's clear that from a young boy, Timothy had a good understanding of the word. He was con but he, he didn't stop there. He was continuing to read it. He was continuing to grow in the word as Paul was charging him to do here. He was telling him to continue to grow in what you have learned. And so it's really important because the word is alive. We don't just learn it and then that's it. We keep growing into it because there's more and more of it available for us. So we need to keep growing in our understanding of the word. We've got to first know the word before we're able to preach the word. So as Timothy was then beginning to, to learn the word and grow in the word, he then began to incorporate it into every part of his life. Incorporate it into every part of his life. He uh, incorporated it into his conduct, his aims, his steadfastness, even in the midst of persecution. So when a lot of all this, all this bad stuff or whatever was coming and he was being persecuted, he knew the word on his heart. So he remained steadfast in the midst of all that persecution. Um, and so even in the Bible, it tells us to consume the word. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
And even further in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, it says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. It's actually saying that we should make the word our daily bread, that we shouldn't be able to go through each day without the word, that we should be consuming it daily. And we need to feed our souls, we need to feed our spiritual souls with the word. And we need to be growing in it each and every day. And so I don't know if any of you have ever heard the phrase, uh, you are what you eat or you become what you eat. Uh, maybe I'm a bit silly and you haven't heard that, but uh, that's something that we, we say in my family. And mum and dad are always going on at Harry, you know what, one day you're just going to turn into a chicken because all you eat is chicken nuggets and chicken goosons. So, but this is the same with the word. When I was thinking about this, we need to consume the word. We need to be, it says in Jeremiah, I, when the words came to me, I ate them. So you are what you eat. If you're consuming the word, like Timothy, you're going to start to incorporate it into every part of your, of your life. You're going to start to live it out. And so as we spend time in the presence of Jesus, getting to know him and the word will begin to flow out of you into every part of your life as what was happening to Timothy. So it's so important that you get to know the word because then it will flow out of you. And in Psalm chapter 119, verse 9 to 11, it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray away from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And as you get to know the word and it becomes written on your heart, you will see how your life will start to change. Your life will start to transform. You'll start to walk in God's ways more than ever before. Um, and just the level of righteousness in your life is just going to go up a notch because you're going to have the word written on your heart. And whenever the enemy comes with the, these lies and this temptation to try and get you to sin and try and get you to do this stuff, you're going to have the truth. And then you're not going to get involved in those things. You're going to say, no, actually, this is what the word says. This is what God says. And I'm going to walk in his ways. And it's so, so it's really, really important that we get to know the word. And I want to share... Um, something with you tonight, uh, an experience in my life, just what I've journeyed through in this. And this isn't to put me on a pedestal. This isn't to boast. This is just the journey that, that I've been on. And hopefully you can all learn something from it. And I have a lot more to grow into. I have a lot more to grow in this. But on my internship, uh, we were, a lot of you know, I'd done the internship last year. And in the corporate prayer meetings, the, the theme was revival. And one of the quotes that came up was, go home, from Gypsy Smith, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, then on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival in that circle. And this is just something that I thought I need to do. I need to, I need to go home, and I need to pray, I need to get in the presence of God, and I need to know and learn these scriptures. And, and get to know the word. And so I went home and uh, I, I, taped, I taped a square onto my bedroom floor. Uh, I wasn't creative enough to get it into a circle. And uh, I didn't actually take a photo of it whenever there was actual tape on the floor. So I took this up about a month or so ago. And uh, that's what was left when I took the tape off, which mom and dad weren't too happy about. It's kind of left a mark on my carpet. Um, but... In this, I started uh, each morning as I got up. I got up early before I went into my internship and I looked at the square and it was a reminder to me that I needed to get in his presence, that I needed to pray and that I needed to read his word each and every day. 
And so I started to do this. This was a place that, yes, I was getting on my knees and I was praying fervently and brokenly, but I was also reading the scriptures. And never in my life had I really ever read the word and the scripture every day. I was probably good at maybe reading it maybe two, three times a week. But this is what actually got me starting to read it every single day. So I was in the Word every day before going in the internship. And maybe some days it was 15 minutes, some days it was half an hour, just, just whatever. Um, and as I started to do this, God started reveal, to reveal things to me. Um, I started to grow in my understanding of the Word. I started to actually learn scriptures and it became written on my heart. And um, I think people who, who know me and who have journeyed through life with me would, would say that and would agree with me in this, that uh, over my internship, my life probably took a step up in level of righteousness and how I was living my life. I probably started to walk in God's ways more than I'd ever done before. And I have a long way to go on that, and I still mess up. But it felt like a significant step for me closer to, to God and to be walking in his ways and to be more like Jesus. Um, and so it's so important that you get to know the word because then it's going to change and transform you. And what that's what was happening to me. And as I was reading the word and as I was learning it and spending time even with Jesus, who is the word in his presence, um, I started to then speak passionately and enthusiastically to people about Jesus, about what God was revealing to me. So when I was speaking to people, I started to speak with uh, a passion that I never had before because it was coming out of that place. And um, I was chatting with mom earlier and I hadn't planned to say this, but she was, I was just talking to her about tonight and she was saying there was like a Chilean um, minister or something who was in the, you know, the mining thing in Chile and he was over speaking and he said that they have like these perfume factories over there and uh, the people that work in there, um, they can't get like the fragrance off them, they can't get the perfume off them no, no matter how many showers um, they have and they, they go out and they're just stinking of perfume. And uh, yeah, so it's the same. It's the same when you're when you're in the presence of Jesus. Whenever you come out, you want to be you want to be stinking of his. You want to be stinking of his fragrance. You want to smell like Jesus. And uh, that's that's what Mum said. He was saying. He's like, you want to be stinking of Jesus when you come out of that place. And so that's what was happening to me. I feel as I was spending time each day. I was then able to speak passionately, enthusiastically. You know those people that you just speak to. In, in work or in church or whatever and you, you can just tell that they've been in the presence of God because how passionate they are when they talk about Jesus that's what happens when you get in that place and you get to know the word and preach the word can also mean exalt in the word that's another way of saying it which means announcing it or revel in it and so we need to speak from a heart that has been changed and transformed by the word because if you just go and tell someone about Jesus or whatever and you're just kind of a wee bit boring about it and say oh, I read that this morning they're not going to really think there's anything in it. But if you come passionately showing them that this has changed your life, they're going to think that there's something in it. They're going to know that there's something there. So it's so important that we get to know the word um, before, uh, so that we can preach the word. That Don't worry, that was my longest point out of the six. They'll not all be that long. Um, so secondly, we need to preach the word with our actions and with our life. So as I said at the beginning, Jesus is the word. So if we want to reveal Jesus to people, we live like him, and we, are, we act like Jesus did. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he was revealing Jesus to people by imitating the life of Jesus. And that's how we can preach the word. We're obviously not all called to stand up at the front and to preach, but we can preach the word through our actions by living like Jesus did. 
by by loving others where maybe the world says they're they're beyond love or they don't deserve to be loved loved if we love them we can reveal the love that Jesus has for them or by forgiving people who the world says don't deserve forgiveness because what they've done so bad you can reveal a glimpse of the grace of God for them and the forgiveness of Jesus or having compassion on the needy and the poor you can reveal the compassion of Jesus for them as you do that for them um and even just living a life that's that's set apart living like Jesus as as people are talking trash about someone you be you choose to be their one and only friend as as people are sleeping around with their boyfriends and girlfriends you choose to wait for the person that you're going to marry as people are talking about crude stuff and making crude comments you choose not to be a part of it you choose to be set apart and as you do that people will be drawn to God that's in you and so we can preach the word by living it out each and every day by with our actions if we live like Jesus we can preach the word because he is the word so then thirdly in our everyday conversations we can preach the word not everyone's gifted to preach in the front but you all have specific gifts to preach the word in your everyday conversations I still don't know if I'm gifted to be standing up here I'll see how tonight goes and we'll see at the end but I'm doing all right so far that's all right that's good I thought I thought about five people were going to say that and I was just going to stand here like no I shouldn't do this um but in everyday conversations so too many people just leave it up to pastors too many people just say oh I'm I'm not gifted to preach the word uh, I'll leave that to the people who are standing up the front and preaching I don't need to do that because that's not what I'm gifted in but that's wrong that's not right we all are gifted to preach the word in our everyday conversations if you look at Mark chapter 16 verse 15 it says he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation as believers we should be filled with the Holy Spirit and with God's love it's going to compel us to proclaim the word we need to go into all the world if we just leave it to the pastors and the ministers and the priests to proclaim the word we're not going to be able to go to all the world we need each and every one of us to be preaching the word and so we need to be talking about Jesus in our conversations with people in, in schools, in your work, in your families, in your neighborhoods. We need to be talking about Jesus. Whenever God opens a door for you or gives you an opportunity to talk about Jesus, let's be people who take that opportunity. Because I know in my sports teams and, and all the things I've been involved in, I always get these little opportunities that God gives me. And sometimes I haven't taken them because I've been too scared. But I want to be someone now that actually takes those opportunities to preach the word in my everyday conversations because that's where it's going to be most effective. And it says this, I love this, in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Let's be a people who are constantly giving Jesus airtime. You know those people that people just say, oh, they're, they're constantly talking about football or they're always talking about their car or whatever it is or their girlfriend or whatever. Let's be a people that, that keep Jesus, that keep the word of God on our lips all the time, that we're known for people who just are constantly talking about Jesus. And this is for everyone, every day, everywhere. We're all called to, to talk about Jesus and we can do it to everyone, everywhere we go. So let's be those people who are known for always talking about Jesus. So the fourth thing then, this is more of maybe what not to do when we're preaching the word. So um, 
Paul says not to get involved in theological disputes, disputes or arguments. So Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God and against quarreling about words. It is of no value and it only ruins those who listen. And in verse 23, it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. So, you know, there's, all, there's people in all of our lives, and I've experienced it over my life, um, and I'm still only young. Um, but you know those people, you're, just, you're talking about Jesus, or you're talking about the Word or whatever, and they just constantly disagree with everything that you say. You say black, they say white. You say white, they say black. Just everything you're talking about Jesus, they, they just disagree, and they just want to have an argument with you. Paul says don't get involved in that. Because it actually, it ruins those who listen. It ruins those who listen. So whenever you're, I know sometimes it's difficult because you know that Jesus has changed your life and you want them to experience the same thing that you have experienced. And you want to get into an argument because you want to prove to them that, that this is real, that this is happening to you. Um, and you're longing for them to, to experience it. But when their hearts are really hard like that, that's, the best thing is just not to get involved in those arguments. The, actually, the best way to preach the word to those people is just by simply showing them love and by letting them see your actions and letting them see how you live this out. So although we want to be people uh, that are constantly talking about Jesus, let's not get involved in, in arguments and disputes. So the fifth thing then is we need to be a people that preach in season and out of season. So Paul says, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. So we need to faithfully continue to speak the truth um, and talk about Jesus in good and bad times. Sometimes you might be talking to, to people about Jesus and just you don't really feel that anything's happening, but you're sowing seeds. There's a time to sow and a time to reap and there might not be much fruit coming but as you faithfully keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it there'll be a time for a harvest there'll be a time for fruit and there'll be people that are getting saved daily as you continue to tell people about Jesus or if you're in a, a difficult winter season or you feel like you're a wee bit out of season and um, that you're going through something tough in life um, if you continue to talk about Jesus, talk about his goodness, talk about his love for you in the midst of that difficult situation, people are going to actually realize, hold on a minute, there's something in this. He's going through this time. He's going through all this rubbish. And yet he's still talking about the goodness of Jesus. He's still talking about what God has done for him and how much he loves him. There must be something in this. So we need to do it in season and out of season. Paul was in prison, yet he still cho cho chose Paul was in prison, yet he still chose to pray and worship and acknowledge God's sovereignty in the situation that he was in. So he was probably in a bit of an out-of-season moment, a bit of a winter moment where he wasn't able to, to see much fruit because he was in prison. But he's like, no, I'm going to continue in the word. I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship God. And then as he did, obviously the earthquake came and the, the gates of the jail opened. And what happened was the jailer then got saved and his whole household got saved. And so as he was faithful in that out-of-season moment, he then saw fruit. He then had a testimony to tell that out of this darkness, out of this situation that he was in, that God showed up and that people got saved. And so we need to do it in season and out of season. And then just finally, the sixth thing is 
to correct, rebuke, and encourage. We need to use the word to correct, rebuke, and encourage. That's what Paul says in the chapter. This is key in our lives as Christians. We need people to correct, rebuke, and encourage us, and we need to correct, rebuke, and encourage others. But this, we can't just go up to the random people and start saying you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. It's, it's, you just can't do it. But it needs to be done out of a place of relationship. And this is something that Grant had, had done for me and still does for me. Whenever I was 15, 16 and was just doing things that were stupid and just uh, I shouldn't have been doing, Grant was coming alongside me and he, he was correcting me and rebuking me in this. He's like, Robbie, this is what the word says. I don't know if, if you should be doing that. Do you think that's what God thinks you should be doing? And if it wasn't for someone like that to come alongside me and correct and rebuke and encourage me, I wouldn't be standing where I am tonight. I, I would probably still be doing those things. So it's so important that we have people in our lives to correct, rebuke, and encourage us. And this is where I feel life group threes and life group twelves are so, so important that you're able to, to journey through life with people who are going to be able to, to correct and rebuke and encourage you so that as you meet together in your life groups that you can pray for one another, you can grow in the word together and that whenever it needs to be done that you correct, rebuke and encourage each other out of a place of relationship. So if you're not in a life group tonight, I'd really, really encourage you to at the back give your, give your name and, and we can get you involved in a life group three or a life group 12 or whatever suits you because it's so, so important. We need people in our lives to correct, rebuke and encourage us. It's like... We need to be iron that sharpens iron. We need to, to, to spend time together and we need to go after this together. So those are some practical ways of how we can actually preach the word as, uh, as, as, as the church. But why, why do we need to do this? Why is this so important that we are telling people about Jesus, that we're proclaiming this message, that we're proclaiming Jesus? Well, if we look at the verse, it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So he says, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Paul reminds Timothy that God and Jesus are witness, uh, witnesses to, to this, that he is responsible for preaching the word. He's like, they're, they're watching, they're listening on as I give you this charge. He's holding Timothy accountable to God and Jesus to preach the word. He's holding him accountable to them, which shows how important it is that one day Timothy's going to have to uh, he's going to have to give an account of his life to God and Jesus and, and how he proclaimed this message. And then he goes on to say, in view of his appearing and kingdom, I give you this charge. Paul's referring to the visible manifestation of Jesus' return. So Jesus is coming back. And Paul's saying that, or Paul's saying this to Timothy, that he's coming back. There's a shortage of time available and this should motivate us to be telling people about Jesus. There's a shortage of time available. He's coming back. People need to know about Jesus. And it says in Romans 14 verse 12 that each of us will, will give an account of our lives before God. And I want to look Jesus in the eye and I want to be able to say, I gave this my all. I want to say, I give my life to telling people about you. I was someone that constantly was talking about your name. Uh, your name was constantly on my lips. I was constantly telling people about you. I want to look him in the eye and say that. And I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to have to, as whenever Jesus returns as a, a righteous king and a righteous judge and have to look him in the eye and bow my head in shame and just be like, well, I just didn't, I didn't have the bonus to do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I want to be someone that, that gives my life 
to this to, to be telling people about Jesus because he's coming back. People need to know. And one day you'll give an account of how you proclaimed this message. Like the town crier did, he had to go back and, and say how he delivered the message and who, were, who was there to hear it. You're going to have to do the same. And so it's so important that we're preaching the word to people. As well, in verse 3 to 4, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. I think it's pretty clear when we look at the world, this is happening more and more. People don't want to know the truth. People don't want to be challenged anymore. People don't want to come to church and hear the truth. They want to go to the world that's going to give them the answers, that's going to give them what they want to hear to fulfill their desires. They want to go to the world that's going to tell them that they're going to find joy and satisfaction in all of these things because they don't want to go after this life because it's difficult. It's not easy all the time. But if they're turning away from the truth, if they're not coming to church to, to hear the word and and they're turning away from that, then how are they going to hear the word? How are they going to hear about Jesus? And that's where we come in. It's up to us. We all meet with non-Christians in our lives probably every day, whether it's a work colleague or in your neighborhood or in your school or in your sports team, wherever it is, you meet with non-Christians all the time who, and those people could be the ones that are turning away from the truth to hear what their itching ears want to hear. So it's up to us in our everyday conversations to be telling them about Jesus, to be telling them the truth. Because if they're not coming on a Sunday, then they're never going to hear it if we aren't bringing it to them. So it's so important that we're doing that. And just finally, as the band come back up, it's so important that we're preaching the word because it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God. He's not here in the flesh anymore to preach the word. We can't leave it up to Jesus to preach the word. He's ascended. So what Ali said it was, uh, last Sunday, he said, it's better that, I, that he went so that he could be alive in each and every one of us. And so Jesus isn't here in the flesh to preach the word, but we are, and we're filled with his presence. We're filled with the Holy Spirit to go out and preach about Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And so that's, that's me done. That's, that's um, why it's so important to preach the word. And for me tonight, whenever I was thinking about this during, during the week, um, I just felt that God was revealing to me um, that there was, a, there was just three sort of barriers that were holding people back from being able to, to talk about Jesus in their lives, from being able to, to reveal him in their lives. And firstly, one was the, the fear of man. People are afraid of what people will think when they tell people about Jesus. They're afraid. This was something that I journeyed through that I didn't want to talk about Jesus in my football team because I was afraid that people would think I'm weird and that I wouldn't fit in on all of this. The second thing was people, people don't know the word or they don't feel good enough. That was the second thing. And the third thing was laziness. That people just want to leave it to the pastors and leave it to the, the people at the front to preach the word, but actually we're all called to do this. So tonight, just as the band are going to play this song, 
if any of those things are, are barriers in your life, if it's fear of man, then let's just come to the front and, and just get on our knees and lay that before God and say, look, I don't, I, I don't want to care anymore what people think of me. I want to I wanna give my all to this because one day I'm going to have to give an account of my life and one day I'm going to have to stand before you and, and tell you how I proclaimed this message. And so let's, let's lay that down tonight. And you know what the amazing thing is? For the people who, who don't feel that they're good enough, we've got Jesus' presence and we've got the Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to do this because we can't do this on our own. I couldn't do this tonight if I wasn't empowered by the Holy Spirit. And for those who, who are maybe at the barrier of laziness, who just can't be bothered to tell people about Jesus, then let's just come and kneel tonight, kneel before God, and just ask him to give us a fresh passion and a fresh enthusiasm about who he is and what he's done for us. And as we sing through this song, the, the prayer ministry team will come up for, for people here kneeling. And if you just even want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to empower you to go out and tell people about Jesus in your everyday life, then I want you to come and avail of this space. So it might not be those three specific barriers, but if you want them filled with the, uh, the Holy Spirit afresh to empower you to go out and proclaim this message, then I want to urge you to come up here and just kneel and just say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. And if you are someone with those three barriers, the fear of man, or you don't know the word, you don't feel good enough, or laziness, then let's just come and lay that all down before God tonight and just say, I want to give my life to telling people about you. So I'm just going to pray, and then the band are going to lead us in the song. So yeah, Father, I just, I just want to thank you for how good you are, God. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you were the Word incarnate, that you were the Word in the flesh, that you actually came down here in human form to remove sin from our lives, to die on that cross for us. And I thank you that you've made a way for us now to be in a relationship with you. And I just want to pray tonight, God, for those people who who feel that there's barriers in their life that are stopping them from being able to proclaim your message to people. I just want to pray, God, that that barrier would be removed in the name of Jesus. That people would be free to talk about you, God. And I pray just tonight that we would all be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would be empowered to have a confidence and a boldness to tell people about who you are and what you've done, because the world needs to hear it. So I pray for a fresh passion and a fresh desire to get to know your word that we would be a people who are constantly, each and every day, consuming your word, eating your word, feeding our spiritual souls so that it will change and transform our lives to influence the people that are around us. So Holy Spirit, would you just come now? Holy Spirit, just come. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.